This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morrison. This week we are taking a look at the strong start to the season for the track and field teams. Plus, the swimming and diving programs defeated Middlebury on the road Sunday, and the Bobcats' top women's squash player was honored by the NESCAC. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The men's basketball team defeated Thomas College on Tuesday, 75-73, behind 17 points from junior Jeff Spellman and 14 points from sophomore James Mortimer. With the score tied at 73 and time running out, Spellman came through for the Bobcats. With 10 seconds left, Greenalt with 8, Greenalt with 7, to Lynch at the elbow, to Spellman with 4, he got it with 2! Timeout, Terriers! With 2.5 seconds to go, the Bobcats lead 75-73. to 73. Men's basketball also hosted Middlebury and number three nationally ranked Williams over the weekend. The Panthers edged Bates by seven on Friday, and Bates put a scare into Williams on Saturday, leading the Eves by as many as 14 points in the first half before Williams rallied in the second half to beat Bates by six. Assistant head coach and assistant athletic director Tommy Verdell joined me on 105 Sports Radio in Auburn to recap the week. The game against Thomas College, a close game. Uh, the final play, though, break it down for us. You got Spellman there in the low block, and he won the game for you with 2.5 seconds left. Yes, I mean, the thinking was let's take advantage of the size mismatch that he had. Um, even if they were going to switch a screen that we were anticipating that they weren't going to do because the kid who was guarding him was really their best defender, get Spellman as close to the basket as we could have, have everyone lift it out, dump it in, and he's going to make the bucket. Um, so, that, I mean, that was pretty clear forward. Coach drew up a great play, and, and, and most importantly, we executed it because that, nice. that's been a key for us. Um, and as we progress through our season, it's about the execution in those, in those critical moments of games. Then Middlebury and Williams, obviously, always two tough opponents. Uh, you know, you're you're in both games. Williams, you had a you know lead in the first half and led at halftime. Tell us a little bit about the one three one zone defense because that I think is new for the Bobcats this year compared to the previous few seasons at least. Yes, right? well, your guys' previous guests, you were talking football and you were talking to Patriot football, and I'm anti-Patriot too, so don't worry. About All right, we go. All right, good. <laughs> but I will say this: let's let's give some due to Bill Belichick and his philosophy on whatever it takes to win that game that week. So that's kind of how it migrated um, for us with the one three one, which is something we've been doing. But we really looked at it and we're like thinking, like, this is really our best chance to defeat Middlebury and Williams. So we define, like, hey, here's how they can beat us. We're okay with losing this way, trying to make them do things that they're not used to. They like, if they do. beat us that way, that's fine. We know they're good at this. Let's not let them do that. Mm -hmm. So Middlebury, they play with great pace in the half court and in the full court. So we really were like, you know what, the best thing for us to do is to slow them down. We had studied their zone offense, and they were very deliberate. They were very good at it, but they were very deliberate. So just to take some of the pace out of there – make them have to think a little bit, make them work a possession. We thought that would work well for us. We had a couple of, like, hiccups in what our responsibilities were. Like, as you said, this is new for us to go as exclusive to it as we did this weekend. Right. Um, and they got and they, and they made us pay for it, you know, because they, they knocked down some shots. But the beauty of it in our league is that we have the opportunity the next day to go play right away again. 
So a lot of people would probably think it was foolish for us to really try to play zone against Williams as well because Williams is a team that has great size, a lot of shooting, but also same thing, their man-to-man offense is just unbelievably good. And we felt like, you know what, let's make them do something different. So between the end of the game on Friday night and going into the game on Saturday, we really focused on some film, talked to our guys, had a walkthrough and corrected some of those mistakes and really, 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 truly executed in the first half. I mean, you hold the whole Williams to 27 points in yeah. a half is kind of unheard of. I mean, I, my, my phone has been blowing up like, you know, what, what did you, you do? What did you do? What did you do? And I was like, you know what? We did a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And then, you know, maybe they didn't do a little bit of whatever. But, like, that was part of the plan. Second half, again, you know, they made some shots. And, you know, people overreact when um, you're playing a zone and teams make outside shots. Mm -hmm. Like, teams make outside shots. They shoot threes against man and against zone. There's never been a shutout in the game of basketball yet. (laughs) When there is, I hope I'm a part of that because I think that would be, I mean, hellacious to have happen. But, um, you know, you're going to give up points. And really down the stretch, it wasn't even our defense. It was Williams, really their length and size defensively that just affected us enough offensively. We didn't execute as well as we need to against that kind of high-level team quality of opponent to get the victory. But I do believe that even in defeat, our guys really grew a lot from that. And I think we have a greater sense of confidence in ourselves and where we can go moving forward in the NESCAC. And as you know, Aaron, the spring and fall sports don't get this. They don't get that second chance. You know, like if if a fall sport starts off 1-3 and three or 0-4, oh they've probably incurred a couple of league games already. You know, for us, we have like, in essence, what can be some preseason non-conference right. games. And then we have the 10-game juggernaut of the NESCAC, of which if you do well in that, now you can get yourself to postseason play. So we've kind of looked at the season this way. It took us a little while longer to gel than I think we thought it would. Kind of dealing with guys in and out of the lineup in the first half of the season, I think, was was part of that. But we are where we are now with the big game against <laughs> Tufts. In essence, I mean, when you look at it, and you hate to say it this way, must win. a, a must-win yeah. playoff game already. And that's just what the NESCAC is about. The women's basketball team fell at Middlebury and Williams over the weekend, but they get a chance to bounce back this week with a pair of home games against Norwich and UMaine Farmington on Tuesday and Thursday, respectively. Speaking of bouncing back, the swimming and diving teams returned from their Florida training trip even stronger than they were in the fall. The Bobcats traveled to Middlebury on Sunday, and both the women's and men's teams outscored the Panthers. The men won 11 races and the women won 9. Junior Emmy Daigle won both the 100 breaststroke in 1 minute 7.71 seconds and the 200 breaststroke in 2 minutes 29.72 seconds. Head coach Peter Casares calls Daigle one of the top breaststrokers in the NESCAC and she is our female Bobcat of the week. I think we went into it knowing it was going to be pretty tough. Um, Our coach told us going into it that we would need to win a handful of races to um, make up for the points that we would lose um, in diving because we don't have any female divers this year. So I think we all went in like knowing that it was going to be hard going to Middlebury. We just knew that um, we would just kind of have to be tough, um, especially coming off of that long bus ride. But everyone really um, had some great swims, and I think that we really gave it our all, and it ended up going all right. <laughs> Take us through your, the races you won there in the breaststroke. Um, I swim the 100 and 200 breaststroke, and um, this meet in the past for me has been pretty tough, so um, it's the first time we are racing coming back from training trip, and it's been about a month um, since our last meet, so it is a little nerve-wracking, or was a little nerve-wracking, but I just knew I wanted to um, do my best to bring 
back the points for Bates and um, I had some other um, really great teammates swimming in there with me. Um, so I was nervous, but I ended up doing all right. Breaststroke, when did you kind of realize that was kind of your best event? I haven't really been able to do anything else. Um, <laughs> I've kind of always been a breaststroker. Um, in swim lessons when I was little, they like I remember being held back because I couldn't do flutter kicks. So I kind of, um, it was just a stroke that came uh, more naturally to me than others. And it has really been the only thing I've swam since uh, beginning swimming. And then when did you start wanting to swim competitively? Um, I swam competitively on like a sort of like low stakes, like summer rec league when I was little. Um, and I was pretty athletic just doing other things, but I um, only started swimming year round, um, kind of choosing it as my sport starting in like seventh or eighth grade. Um, and then continued just swimming through um, high school and came here. Yeah, so speaking of that, you're from Oregon, so what appealed to Bates? I actually didn't end up coming on any recruiting trips for any of the colleges that I looked at. Um, luckily, swimming is um, a pretty easy sport to research. You can just kind of look up every college team and um, their swimmers and see how fast they are. So I was definitely looking at schools that were further away and I wanted something different. Um, and I knew about Bates um, because my cousin had graduated from here in 2012. So I kind of did some research on the team and it looked like a really good place where people grow as swimmers and as people. And I know that um, there's been a lot of improvement on the team over the years. I saw that um, when I was a senior, they had really been moving up in the rankings in the NESCAC, and I was just really excited about that. So I made the decision to come here. And what did Coach Casares say to you when you said you wanted to join the swim team? Um, it was kind of funny, actually. I didn't do any recruiting trips, and I didn't yeah. actually even visit campus until after I had decided to come here. Um, I had sort of been in email contact with Vanessa throughout my senior year, and then I showed up for Admitted Students Day after deciding I was going to come, and I don't think they even knew until the moment that I met them for the first time. And I met him, and he was like, oh, I just saw that you're like on the list here to come. Like, that's great. And it, was, um, uh, it was pretty fun to meet them for the first time, and it was like... I think they were a little shocked but <laughs> that I had actually decided to come without um, ever meeting anyone, but it was pretty exciting. <laughs> so as a junior now, how have you seen your swimming grow over the course of these past few seasons? Every season's really different. I have been trying this year to stay a lot more like level-headed and just kind of trying to have fun with everything. I think in the past I've put a lot of pressure on myself, um, so this year I'm just really kind of taking things as they come and... Um, it's been really fun just to kind of like grow these past few years. Like as you gain more experience, you kind of figure out um, how to handle things better. So I think that with every year, I'm just kind of figuring out how to manage it a little bit better. Home meet this Friday against Bowdoin, right? Um, you had the home meet earlier against Dartmouth. That was probably an interesting experience. Yeah. Now Bowdoin, a rivalry, what's that dynamic like? It's pretty tough. That was the... Um, I believe the one dual meet that we um, lost last year. And mm -hmm. so it'll be nice to have it at home and have it be our senior meet. Um, just, I think we're like ready to put up a fight. They have some divers and we don't, um, but I think it'll be great to have that meet be here. And um, we're definitely um, ready to take on the challenge. And then what are you studying here academically? Um, I'm a math major. Okay, and what interested you in math, I guess? I just generally, um, enjoyed math in high school and it was something that um, I liked coming here just solving problems. Does the math major apply at all to you know swimming in terms of knowing the distances you need to, <laughs> to when, when to speed up or whatever? Um, I don't know sometimes um, people joke when we're um, 
doing stuff in practice with tempos and things mm-hmm. we have to divide our times by four to find the um for what we want to go in a 25 and people will joke with me like oh like what it, should I be um like your math major like I don't really do math in my head so honestly I don't really uh have an easy time with that either but um it's kind of funny excellent and then what are some goals you have set in your mind for the remainder of the season I don't really know. I'm pr- pretty excited for NESCACs. Um, I'm just trying to um, like take every meet as it comes and really um, just focus on my stroke. I've been doing a lot of technique work this year for breaststroke. Um, it's kind of a lot to think about um, actually in training. So I'm just trying to apply that um, to the races and then see where that gets me with the times, I guess. There you have it. Emmy Daigle, Female Bobcat of the Week. Thanks so much. Thank you. The track and field teams opened their season Saturday with a tri-meet against MIT and Colby. Both Bates teams outscored the Mules and gave the top five nationally ranked engineers all they could handle, with the men only being outscored by MIT by nine points. Sophomore Ryan Nealis won the mile in a personal record time of four minutes, 21.72 seconds, outracing an All-American from MIT along the way. Nealis came back from that run and took second place in the 800 meters. And for that, Ryan Nealis is our male Bobcat of the week. Going into the race, I, you know, I've, I did a lot of work this fall, getting myself in really good shape. And um, I was like, just want to get the season off to a great start. And I just, um, you know, looked at the field beforehand, realized that there was a really good runner in Aiden Gilson uh, that was going to bring me through, uh, through in a good time if I just was patient. Um, and I just hung right on him. And then with two laps to go, I started making moves. And a lap to go, I just put a gap on him. Um, I didn't actually know that it was going to be a fast time. Just feeling it didn't feel that fast of a race. But uh, after finishing, I was really happy with the result. Um, and uh, just, yeah, I think it was a great race and looking forward for the next one. I understand the runner you mentioned, he's an All-American, right? So what does that mean to you to outrace a guy like that? I mean, it's definitely, like, I was super hyped about that. Um, you know, it's early in the season, though. A lot can still happen. And, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't tell for the rest of the season. But um, it's definitely a very good sign that I can... I can do that early in the year. And the 800 meters came after that, is that correct? Yeah, so the 800 meters was like 45 minutes after that race. So what's that kind of recovery like and getting ready to go for another race? Yeah, it's, I mean, definitely physically it's it's hard to bounce back. Um, it's kind of managing the recovery of the race, but then warming up for the next one. Um, and with that, like, you want to move around, but you don't want to expend too much energy because um, then you're, like, the lactic acid will build up and your legs get heavy. Um, but then mostly it's just about like preparing yourself mentally and just getting ready to just feel more pain in that next race. And the team as a whole, uh, Fresh called it one of your best performances, not, not the best ever at this opening meet against a nationally ranked opponent like MIT. What, what was some other performances you saw that you really uh, were impressed with? I think uh, we got some great performances out of our freshmen, um, John Everett, John Mashansky doing a great job. Um, and then, I mean, are just like our seniors and our juniors stepping up in their, in their events, you know, just starting the season off great. Um, that's Zach Campbell in the throws. That's Mark Fusco in the 600. I know he didn't have the result he wanted, but you got to start somewhere in the beginning of the season. Um, and then, you know, my roommate, Johnny Rex, obviously killing it in the throws. Um, I know he didn't have the weekend he wanted. Like, he had an amazing weekend, but uh, I think he, he knows that he can do a lot better. And it's Big things are going to come from him. So Your roommate, interesting. Yeah. So we got a thrower and a, and a cross-country and a distance runner. Yeah, I mean, we just we hit it off from the beginning of last year, and 
you know, we, we really motivate, motivate each other when it comes to track. And, um, yeah, it's awesome living with him. We look at stuff online. We send each other articles and stuff like that. So it's awesome rooming with Johnny and bouncing ideas off of him. Now you run cross country in the fall. So what's that transition like into this indoor season? It's um so last year I was I was kind of I was on the cross country team but I wasn't racing I was kind of using it as like a training season, um, and then this year um, you know I was in a lot better shape coming into the year so me and coach were like we'll see what happens um, and racing cross country did wonders uh, it was awesome it, it builds so much strength like mentally physically um, you know when you step up on the line for a mile you think wow. In the fall, I was racing five times this distance right. in cold weather and up and down hills, you know. Um, so mentally, physically, you just feel a lot better going into the track season. But then you also have to, like, remember that, you know, you're running a lot further and, like, you're, the toll that it's taking on your body physically all fall. You have to, you know, balance that with, like, the, you know, stretching, rolling out, ice baths just to prevent injury. Because those are definitely serious things that can come off cross-country. Right, for sure. Okay, so you're from London. How did Bates get on your radar for college? Um, you know, um, my dad's from America. My mom's from Canada. So it was inevitable that I was going to make my way over to this side of the <laughs> pond. But, um, yeah, it was, you know, I went to the American school in London, which was kind of like geared us towards America as well. Um, and then my cross-country coach in high school actually ran at Bates um, and was uh, – he was one of Coach's first recruits here at Bates, um, you know, and he just he didn't, he didn't push me to go here, but he planted the seed that I should right. check it out. I came visited, and I just fell in love and wanted to come here. What was his name? Matt Tweese. He's actually a six-time All-American here. Oh, nice. So nice. the competition's on. I'm coming for you, Coach. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And then growing up in um, in England, uh, when did you start getting into running? Um, you know, I'd always been like running since I was a little kid, but, uh, I didn't ever, I didn't pick track up until I was in, uh, high school. Um, just one day I was like, you know what? Screw soccer, screw baseball. I'm going to give track a shot. And it turned out it was pretty good. So I was like, I'm going to stick with this. Have you set any goals in your mind for indoor and outdoor season? I mean, we only put names up on the wall for all Americans. So that's definitely one that I'm chasing after. I mean that would be a true honor to achieve that in my sophomore year, right. um, but you know I'm not I'm not gonna be disappointed. I realize that that's like a huge, huge honor, and not every, like eight people a year get it in an event. So I'm not gonna be bummed out if I don't get it. Um, I mean I think as a team we're we're definitely chasing that state of Maine championship. Bowden robbed of Bowden robbed us last year of that, so we're we're hunting for that one again. And then you know when New England's comes around, we wanna. You know, retain that, uh, retain our place at the top of New England. So, well, not at the top, but one of the top programs in New England. Um, you know, and then, uh, yeah, I think personally, you know, the mile is yeah. becoming my event. So, trying to get a fast time, trying to get on the top ten list here at Bates, which is, which is very competitive. So, we'll see. All right, Ryan Nealis, Male Bobcat of the Week. Thanks so much. Thank you. The women's and men's squash teams both defeated Wesleyan on Senior Day Tuesday by a count of 8-1. to one. While both teams fell at Middlebury and Williams over the weekend, junior Lutza Polgar was named NESCAC Women's Squash Player of the Week after she went 3-0 at the number one position to improve her personal record to 7-1 on the season.
NASCAC Women's Squash Player of the Week, Lutza Pogar, with us here on the Bobcast. And Lutza, first of all, you know, your Middlebury opponent, you've played her a lot. The Williams opponent, you've never seen her before. From a squash perspective, how does that change anything, if at all, about the match versus someone you're familiar with versus someone you're not? For me, um, I usually play people that I've never played before. So the Middlebury opponent is actually an exception. Um, yeah. With her, we've played a bunch of times and uh, it's been back and forth. Uh, for me, I like to play her a lot because she challenges me. And um, when I play her, I know exactly what I have to do. And if I do those things well, I can win. But also there is the other hand, if, it, if I don't do everything that I can, then she will win. So that's usually very stressful, and it's, uh, but it is easier for me to get hyped up for that match. Um, for other opponents that I've never played before, it's usually, usually I go in with a set game plan uh, with the mindset that I have to be ready to change that if that doesn't work. Excellent. And then how'd the Williams match go for you in terms of that person you never played before? So there actually I had to change the game plan. Uh, yeah. I, I went in, I usually go in with an attacking mindset. And because I went in doing that, um, she used my power that I put in the ball to, um, to hit it back to me and uh, attack back. So I had to take the power off from my game and start to start to play more more tight, more um, more lighter than um, than before, and that worked. When you're playing Christina Alexova and Vicky Arjun, kind of coach you between games. How how's that go? Because they're they're both senior captains. What have you learned from them? Yes, they they always coach me. They also always give me uh, great advice. Great advice. Um, for me, when I come off court, I usually know what I'm doing well, but I'm not doing well, and they help me um, put together my thoughts and um, and add to that what I personally couldn't see. So it's always helpful. Also, uh, Coach Kosker is, is usually there to help me too. So so I I get a lot of help from other people. And yes. you play Christina a lot during in challenge matches and practices, right? How how's that go? Christina challenges me every time she. She has she has a great hand. She has better hands that I've ever seen from anyone before. So I'm always excited. I'm always excited to play her. I never know what to expect. Sure. And then I know you, when Vicky plays, you help coach her. What are you seeing from Vicky so far this season? Vicky tries very hard every single one of her matches, and every single time that I coach her, she always takes my advice. Going forward, what's the team's focus right now? Because obviously, you know, Middlebury and Williams, those are key matches, didn't go the way the Bobcats necessarily wanted. So what's the focus now? What did maybe Coach say to the team afterwards? Yeah, those two matches are, are were not, didn't go as we, as we wanted them to go. But um, we're very hopeful about this season, although um, it is hard because we're missing a lot of people. We're struggling with numbers. But every single one of the girls is as I see, are training very, very hard and trying their very best. So I'm very hopeful. You mentioned um, the numbers. I noticed, you know, some younger folks have to step up and maybe play a little bit higher than they're used to, right? What have you seen from them? Yeah, some people um, came back from from abroad and uh, and they pl- they're playing higher up than any of us expected them to. But um, 
they are they are trying their very best and um and obviously it's not the position that they are supposed to be playing because so it's very very challenging for them but uh but they are training just as hard as uh as any other position great and then you're you were all academic last year what are you studying here at Bates I study mathematics and my minor is physics. I've been interested in it um, since I was very young and I came here, I, um, I originally wanted to be um, a DCS major, but since the major is not ready, I decided to do uh, math instead since um, there is some programming in it and, um, and I was always interested in it. So I find it challenging and very, very interesting. Excellent. And uh, what's maybe one of your favorite classes you've taken so far? Actually, one of my favorite classes was not a mathematics class. It was, I think it was nature and environment, something like that. Um, it was it was about all the aspects on the environment. And um, we talked a lot about global warming and stuff like that. So, so that was really, really interesting to me. Going forward, what are some goals you have personally? What are some goals a team has set, you know, in these next few weeks? For us, we, um, we're trying to win every single one of our matches. Obviously, that, um, that's still left until uh, NASCAX. And uh, the team goal is for NASCAX to finish second. And then Nationals will see. Um, we are always trying to shoot for the B flight, but whatever happens, happens. Well, yeah, you'll probably get a shot at winning the Middlebury again, right? Yes, hopefully. <laughs> Definitely at NASCAX. Yeah. Hopefully we'll see at least one of those teams at NASCAX, yes. Excellent. Luta Pogart, NASCAC Women's Squash Player of the Week. Thanks so much. Thank you. The Alpine and Nordic skiing teams combined to finish ninth out of 17 schools at the St. Lawrence Carnival over the weekend. In Alpine skiing, sophomore Joe Gillis turned in a pair of top 30 finishes, placing 27th in the slalom and a career best 19th in the giant slalom. Joe Gillis with us on the phone here on the Bobcast, talking some alpine skiing. And well, Joe, first of all, this opening carnival of of the season. How'd you feel go for you? You went two top thirty finishers. Must be pretty satisfying, right? Yeah, uh, it was definitely a pretty exciting race for me and team as a whole. Um, you know, I was really just happy to get some results and some finishes for the team. But I think as a team collectively, I think we were all pretty happy. We all had at least one good day of results for each of us. Yeah, it's so tricky in Alpine because you have, let's say you have a really good first run, that just that there's there's a lot of pressure on that second run, right? How do you kind of balance the need to finish with the need to go as fast as possible? For me, it's a lot about just trying to go as fast as possible, even when you're set up in that position on the first run. You can't be thinking about the finish, otherwise you're just not going to end up being fast on the second run. And so uh, that was kind of my mindset going into the weekend. I know that was similar for a lot of the other people on the team, and it worked out for me, uh, but I know for some of my teammates, it didn't work out in the same way. Coming into college last year, uh, what were the biggest adjustments to collegiate skiing that you had to make? Definitely some of the biggest collegiate adjustments you have to make is that you go from competing as an individual to now you're competing as a team. That's definitely a big adjustment coming in. Um, you know, just being more of a team atmosphere and being out there supporting everybody every single run. And I really, I love that aspect about college for sure. And definitely that transition was different for me. And I know for a lot of my teammates as well. And what appealed to Bates for you to come to college and, and ski and study here? I love the location. I think, you know, Maine, it's one of the most beautiful places there is. Uh, the mountain that we train at Sunday River is just incredible. Uh, it's probably the best training venue in the East. 
And so a combination of those two factors, plus, you know, the academic challenges that Bates presents, I think really just made the perfect combination for me to come to school here. And you have, you know, you have a pretty strong sophomore class with you. Tell us about some of your teammates who are also sophomores that came in with you last year and are, you know, growing this season. I mean, the sophomore class is definitely awesome. Definitely my best friends out there. Uh, I know not all of us had great results this weekend in terms of the sophomore class. I know uh, on Sunday on the non-college race, I know my roommate Calvin Wilson actually had the best result for us, which was really strong. I think he might have had a career best that day. Mm. Um, and I know Max Schneider actually had a really big first run of the GS as well for us, moving all the way up from 77 to 35. That was that was incredible. Moving 40 bibs, that's unheard of in a college race. So that was really exciting as well. So tell us a little bit about what you're studying right now at Bates, you know, and how you balance that with the scheme. Yeah, so right now I'm a econ major with a history minor. Um, and definitely that's pretty intense path, I think, for any student at Bates. Um, you know, it's definitely difficult. Uh being a student athlete, especially on the ski team, because we have to travel, you know, almost two hours every day back and forth to the mountain. But I think it also really helps me at the same time to stay really focused with my studies and make the most of my time. And so I think for me, like, just having that core focus of being skier and being a student, like, it just helps work or it just helps me work out my time more. Terrific. And then what are some goals you have maybe moving forward this season for yourself and the team? As a team, I think collectively we're, you know, hoping to have three guys and girls in the top 30 every weekend. Um, you know, I think that's definitely a goal that's very feasible and something that we can do. And I, ideally we'd like to get maybe a top five finish this year in one of the carnivals for us. And then moving forward for myself, I am, you know, looking to kind of continue the streak I'm on right now, those top 30 results. Hopefully I can get another one this coming weekend at UNH. Um, but... Yeah, we'll see anything's possible once you go there. Absolutely. And uh, are the carnivals pretty all similar, or are there some big differences between them, you find? There's definitely a difference between the carnivals. The hills are different everywhere you go. Um, you know, Whiteface, where we were this weekend for the St. Lawrence Carnival, is definitely a very technical hill. Um, definitely very challenging, uh, especially in the small events, pretty steep. Uh, this weekend will also be pretty challenging at UNH for sure um, another technical hill and definitely a really long course so uh, I'm looking forward to the challenge once I get there and it should be a lot of fun alright Joe Gillis we'll let you get out there on the mountain thanks so much thank you junior Caitlin Woods picked up where she left off last year in Nordic skiing finishing 16th in the freestyle race and 14th in the classical technique race meanwhile Maya Seckinger turned in a terrific pair of performances in her collegiate debut placing 39th in the freestyle race, and 30th in the classical race. Talking some Nordic skiing here on the Bobcast with Maya Seckinger here. And first of all, Maya, tell us about the opening carnival of the season. It was basically your collegiate debut, right? Yeah, um, it was pretty exciting. I had been to carnivals last year as an assistant coach, sort of, rallying all the girls. Um, But it was a new experience, actually, racing. It was really fun. Super cold weather, um, around zero both days, which was kind of a shock to the system. But, yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, for Nordic, how much does the temperature impact the race speed or anything like that? Um, Well, if it's really cold, like this weekend, it was really slow snow. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot slower than normal. But, I mean, you just kind of get used to it. When it's cold, you just tough it out and kind of just have to adjust. Uh, How encouraged were you by, you know, the results you put up? Because obviously, you know, two pretty solid results for your first race, right? Um, the first day I was super disappointed, actually. Oh, really? okay. Yeah, I just had a really bad race, and 
I guess like in skiing, you can't get too worked up about results just because mm. you're racing yourself. Um, so the first day I was really bummed and not really because the results, just I had a bad day. Mm. I just felt really out of it and it was my first skate race back in like two years. So that was hard. And then the second day I just completely changed my mindset and um, I was way happier with the race and the results. So I felt good about it. Excellent. So one attitude is not bad, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, um, you know, Kaylin Woods is obviously, you know, someone who went to NCAAs last year on your team. Um, I know in running, they try to, like, you know, run together. Is it, I, I know sometimes in Nordic it's a mass start, but other times it's, it's you know, one at a time. So how does that work, you know, in terms of working with your teammates, or is that not really coming to play? Um, it does on, a, like, a mass start day. Yeah. These last two races weren't. I mean, right. I train with Kaylin all the time, and she's someone I love to chase. It's been a great, like, <laughs> fall just having each other to push. Um, but, yeah, I didn't get to the race with her at all. I didn't even see her on course. I did uh-huh. see some other teammates, so that's always yeah. fun, like, just how the intervals went, especially Sunday because it was two laps. So um, skiing with teammates when you can and cheering them on as you can barely breathe is always fun, and seeing them at the finish is the best. Right. So you grew up in um, Winthrop, Washington, small town, the North Cascades there in Washington. I'm from Seattle, full disclosure, so I'm interested in this. You know, what was that like growing up? Um, Obviously a lot of good skiing. And then what appealed to Bates to come out here to Maine? Yeah. um, So growing up super small town, I wanted to leave pretty much immediately. I actually took a year off before I came to Bates and skied in Bend, Oregon. Sure. um, Just to sort of grow up and figure out what I wanted to do. So my parents are both from the East, and they wanted me to go to school out here just to experience the different coasts. Um, And I looked at a bunch of the NESCAC schools and where I wanted to ski. I knew I wanted to ski in college, and Bates was just my favorite. I just toured campus and absolutely loved it, and um, it was my first choice. And I applied ED, and I didn't get in, and then that's when I decided to take a gap year. And then I ended up getting in regular that year and deferred, and I'm now back, and so happy and yeah it was a good choice so wait did you end up taking two years after high school then or no, one? Just oh, one oh, just okay. one year i took a year off skied yeah. and then came here and couldn't race right <laughs> so right, it's like okay. yeah gotcha finally get to race here yeah <laughs> it's been a while. so how does collegiate skiing compare to skiing you know in high school um i'd say it's more fun honestly it seems a lot less stressful just uh your teammates are i don't know i feel like it's more of a family and less competitive like within each other there's oh. still like a good drive um i really like the college circuit so far yeah. yeah it's it's good well being injured last year what was the process like coming back from the injury um challenging definitely i tried to train as much as i could last year through the injury um but that was i, I mean it was hard like yeah. i was a lot of pool running a lot of spinning that's all i could do um it was like the team supported me, which was really nice. And my coaches and teammates, they like really worked hard to like be encouraging and keep me a part of everything. Um, and then, you know, this year I'm not where I want to be physically as just because I had to take a year off from my normal training. So like I'm hoping to come back next year even stronger, mm. but just a lot of rehab, a lot of PT, and then just a lot of hard work, normal sure. training this summer. What was the moment like when you finally got back on skis? Um... Let's see, I think I've been on skis on and off, but I guess like racing again mm-hmm. um, this weekend and we had some race, uh, two races before too. Yeah. It was not, it was frustrating for sure. The mm-hmm. first few races have been a little bit frustrating because like I remember my last really good races, like I was, you know, top 10 in junior nationals. That was my last race. Mm-hmm. And then coming back and feeling so out of shape and knowing how I was supposed to feel and not having that speed and strength was like 
hard and it's yeah. been like a mental adjustment. Um, but I'm finally like after Sunday's race, my mental state has changed and I think it's going to go up from here. Oh, you mentioned off air that you did some alpine, you know, skiing recreationally growing up, like a lot of people do, I suppose. What made Nordic the one you wanted to really compete in? Um, I was kind of a wimp when it came to downhill, <laughs> honestly. I didn't really want to compete in Nordic. I was accidentally signed up for a race by my friend's mom. And I was six at the time, and I was, like, kind of upset. And I did it, and I won, and I won a lot of candy. And from then on, I was like, okay, if I get a medal in candy, I'll do the sport. So that's how I ended up Nordic racing. <laughs> I think that's a great way to end it. Uh, Maya, thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Thank you so much. Next time on the Bates Bobcast, we'll recap a big week for all Bates winter sports. Swimming and diving hosts its final home meet of the year Friday at 7 p.m. against Bowdoin, and the track and field teams host the Bates Invitational on Saturday against several teams led by the University of Maine. Plus, the men's basketball team hosts Tufts Saturday at 3 p.m. All that and more next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates! Bates!